When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, you know, I've got a fishing boat out and I say out of my yard, it's on a trailer. It's not you know, on the ground in my yard. Um, and I've been you know, boating for, oh, goodness gracious, probably close to 40 years or so. Um, and one of the things I found out a long time ago was if I've got a leak in my boat and it's not noticed, there will be a point where I've got some difficulty uh, that I have to deal with. And I want to be able to find out where that leak is as quickly as I can and plug it. Um, because otherwise I'm not going to be having a pretty, pretty good day. Now, why do I talk about that? Well, the guy that I want to talk to you, uh, talk to today, and we've been kind of chatting a little bit before we actually started recording here, um, is absolutely one of the premier experts in the world today on data leaks. And one of the things that I think is fascinating here has to do with the nature of privacy and uh, regulatory change. Um, regulatory change is probably the single greatest, what's the word I'd use here, um, revolution that we have, you know, and most people don't look at it this way, but it's data privacy. Yeah. You know, and if, if I've got a leak, there's some real interesting things that happen, not just personally. I mean, I get followed all over the world by you know, ads that I didn't know that I had ever logged in for. But more importantly, if I'm a business uh, business operator, uh, I've got compliance issues that I need to pay attention to because they can get me in a whole world of hurt if I'm not really paying attention to them. So uh, Dan Freckling is who I'm talking with today. And Dan is the CEO of a company called Boltief which is one of the leading experts, uh, you know, one of the leading expert companies in uh, data. And, um, so Dan, I just want to welcome you to the show. Uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I mean, you know, the little preamble we had before I started recording you know, has really piqued my interest in a lot of, in a lot of ways here. So I want to just uh, welcome you to the show. Thanks, Blaine. Great to be here. And, and what you're describing about data leakage is something that all of us experience to varying degrees. And it really is around the world, uh, as we've learned. You know, I, uh, you know, this, this podcast is a great example of that. And I've also you know, got a number of other things that I do just commercially on uh, in terms of how we go to go to market and products and programs that we sell. Um, the EU, and I'll speak about the EU specifically here, um, you know, just setting stuff up. You know, there's, my God, I didn't know that there were so many hoops to jump through. And one of the things that uh, I was struck by is something that I'm gonna just kind of pull this up uh, off of some of the pre-reading that I was doing here. Um, the, the actual plumbing of the internet, you know, you know, the, the way the data privacy should be automated and isn't, 
Yeah, 20% or more of consent declarations are null and lost. 20%. I mean, so yeah, if and that's a pretty sizable hole in the boat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if 20% of, of stuff is just kind of leaking back in, what's going on with this? How does this all work? Sure. Yeah, it's um, it is very accurate to refer to the Internet infrastructure as plumbing because there are pipes that connect what's on the publisher side. Right. Or the user side that that uh, what's called supply and what's on the demand side, which is where the advertisers and the brands live. And there are these internet pipes that connect everybody and they flow through various other ecosystem parties. And any of these nodes is a place where data can leak. And this is something that we've lived with, frankly, for decades as the internet has grown because the open web is funded by advertising. And that's why we get so much great free content. Um, what has happened recently though, is that the, the concept of privacy as a human right has been changing due to a series of incidents and various pipes in various places that, that have leaked and, and caused this. And so when you, when you mentioned, Blaine, in your kind of introduction here, what's going on with regulations, it was really caused by some, some real watershed events. So in 2011, there was a series of incidents in the UK where there was phone hacking uh, of individuals and listening to their, their recorded messages. In 2013, Edward Snowden leaked classified information about NSA surveillance programs. In 2014, Japan suffered a data breach that affected, uh, I think it was a third of its population. And, and then back, you know, back to the US in 2017, we had the, the Equifax hack that was attributed to the Chinese government. And it goes on and on and on. It, it, the, the Cambridge Analytica in 2018 uh, affecting the election results. And so even in the past two years, the pandemic has driven more people online, more people engaging online, but also more companies creating distributed workforces. And all of this creates a, a, a bigger threat surface, if you will, to how privacy can leak. And what that has led to all of these incidents and then it capped off with the pandemic is a massive global response um, from regulators it, from Japan to you were, you were referring to the EU GDPR in 2018, California passing CCPA and then making it even stronger with CPRA. Um, there's LGPD in, in Brazil. And, and then on, on, in addition to, to the, the regulations, which are now in five states, we see private industry taking action like Apple uh, uh, prompting users before apps can track data and uh, in the iOS uh, and, and then Google deprecating third party cookies, which is a huge deal next year because that is the architecture of how all of this works. So um, what I guess to, to sort of summarize everything we're seeing here, there is a, a confluence of of regulations unlike anything we've seen before. If, if you think of perspective and you consider the beginning of regulations in the United States, which was in, in 1887, uh, that was when Congress created the Interstate Commerce Commission for railroads. We have a series of regulations, and this was outlined beautifully by Brad Smith of Microsoft, a, a, a series of, 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 of targets toward certain types of regulations like telephones and the FCC, nuclear, the NRC, electricity, FERC, so on and so forth, pharma through the FDA. But all of the regulatory responses to the, uh, uh, the wrongs that have occurred were national in scope for our country. And no industry has had to change as quickly as technology right now on a global basis because of all of the actions occurring in the countries uh, and the regions that I just mentioned. So 
just to sort of summarize, we're in a wave of regulatory change. We've discovered that the internet pipes are leaky. And just like any you know, kind of smoke test, we need to figure out where those leaks are and it's gonna take technology to fix technology. And that's where Boltif comes in. That's where Boltif comes in, exactly, right? That's what, <laughs> that's what we do, yeah. Yeah, so how, how does it work? I mean, it, <clears throat> as a small business owner, small business entrepreneur, I mean, I've got, you know, and I say small just in terms of you know, staffing and that sort of stuff. I've got a pretty wide uh, audience. I mean, yeah, I, my business is in literally every country on the planet except, or every country, every continent on the planet except Antarctica. And I'm not even sure I'm not there. How do I fix that? How do I pay attention to that? And, and you know, part of this has to do with, you know, some of the work I do is in the medical field. Um, I'm on the, you know, uh, look, you know, with, with a couple of different firms, but I'm teaching faculty of the American Association of Phys you know, Physician Leadership. I coach in hospital systems with CEOs. And HIPAA is a very big thing that I have to pay attention to. And that, you know, we making sure we're HIPAA compliant in the work that we do. How would Boltif actually work with me as an example, or if I'm a little bit larger, with an enterprise to make sure that we are in compliance, that the leaks aren't going to come back and bite us? Yeah, um, I, I guess there's there's a few different areas, um, and some of this you know, there, there's a there is a whole um, practice around privacy that goes beyond some of the areas that I'm going to talk about. But um, mm -hmm. let's uh, to kind of focus the, the privacy discussion on um, on the the advertising data leakage or the website data leakage. So I think it's. It's important, first of all, uh, for companies to designate somebody in charge of privacy and to, to map where data flows are uh, and where, where they're, what kind of data they're recording and where that data is going. And that, that goes across systems. When you get into the, the intersection of, of what's going on online, about what, what's going on on the Internet, um, I think it's important to scan and to see who are the third parties that you're doing business with. We find many times that there are unauthorized third parties, fourth parties, fifth parties that businesses just simply aren't aware of that are receiving data from consumers. And as you point out, health data is very sensitive. Health is one of the sensitive categories um, alongside geolocation and ethnicity and sexual preference and other areas that the regulations have targeted. So anytime you touch on uh, matters of health and, and, and personal characteristics and finances, then there's an even higher bar to watch out for. But I think it starts with a scan uh, and it, it starts for, for looking for a, a couple things that we found that plague businesses of all sizes. One is, uh, is dark signals and the other is skimmers. And dark signals occur when the privacy technologies aren't fully doing their job. And we see this all the time with consent management platforms. Consent management platforms are where you visit a website and it asks you, do you want to accept or reject cookies? Like that's like the classic experience we have with, with CMPs or consent management platforms. And you press a button to accept or reject. Uh, there's more granular consent you can provide beyond that. But that's a signal, once you specify that, that should be honored throughout the internet. And uh, we find many times that it's not honored. The, the statistic you were quoting a few minutes ago, 20 to 30% of these leaks are because the consent uh, selection, the choices by users that are captured at the website will not get passed on and opt out will get lost and opt in will get lost. And so mm -hmm. finding those dark signals and, and revealing them is a big benefit to companies because it 
avoids liability, but it also provides opportunity to reach your users who otherwise would have gone dark. And the, and the second is around skimmers, but it, I'll see if you have any follow-up questions before I go too far. Well, you know, the, the, you know, that, that, dark, you know that dark piece, because <clears throat> how do I target effectively if the opt-in isn't uh, actually being passed on? So yeah, my ad spend, or you know, basically even the, the campaign itself, you know, uh, an advertising campaign could be missing the mark completely, you know, 20% of the time at least, because the opt-in structures or even the opt-out isn't, uh, you know, being, you know, uh, doesn't have the integrity that, yeah. it, that it the fidelity. Yeah, the fidelity and integrity, exactly right. And it, it is a problem for, for both the opt-outs um, and the opt-in signals, and you just simply don't know. What, what exacerbates this is that we also see skimmers. And um, if you think of skimmers, you think of credit card skimmers like you, you would hear about at gas pumps, which is it's a piece of machinery. It looks like it's part of the system. And when you're scanning your, your card, it's recording that information and passing it on to unknown data collectors. We see the same thing online. These We see skimmers that live within what, what uh, the advertising ecosystem within the bid stream that can gather information and use it for other purposes. And, and just like a credit card scammer. There actually was a case um, just a few days ago where a company in Russia called RuTarget, which was sanctioned by the treasury, was still receiving um, allegedly personal information from Google for months and months. And that would qualify as a skimmer, right? So mm. that, and that happens all the time. Uh, this, this research uh, was reported by ProPublica went further and found 35 Chinese and Russian companies that, that Google has publicly admitted they share data with. But in this case of Root Target, it was particularly problematic because they were sanctioned and because it was possible to see, well, who's, who's visiting sites um, about Ukraine? Who's in Ukraine and what are they, what are they viewing? Are they, are, they, are they viewing extremist sites? Are they reviewing pro-Ukraine, pro-Russian sites and so forth? Now, that opens up a real interesting can of worms around this whole abortion. And I'm going to, and I don't want to put you on, I know you're a CEO of a, of a company. And uh, so I'm, you know, wave me off if we don't want to go here. But from a data collection perspective, um, and you know, the, 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 the example you cite there around you know, Ukraine you know, data, you know, who, you know, all of that stuff. What I've been reading in the in the uh, in the popular press, <clears throat> but I've also picked up some uh, publica and Reddit and whatnot um, that speak to tracking people's inquiries and searches on abortion services. Now, how does that privacy? Uh, because to me, it seems like that would fall under a HIPAA guideline. So, how does how is this data? going to be accessed if it if in fact it does fall under a HIPAA guideline, which prohibits the sharing of any identifiable medical or any identifiable you know, information based on medical inquiry. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll first say I'm not a lawyer. I don't have a legal background. Uh, I'm certainly not an expert in HIPAA. Um, but I do understand there's a difference between HIPAA-covered entities and non-HIPAA-covered entities. Mm -hmm. So even though it may be health data, if it's not uh, a, a medical group uh, or so forth, they may not be under the jurisdiction of HIPAA. But you're, you're, you're exactly right that the data is sensitive. And there's been a lot of discussion in privacy circles about the um, Supreme Court ruling and what that means for privacy in general as a precedent, but also specifically around um, around abortions. 
because the data is accessible from, from data brokers and others on geolocation, it's possible to identify when someone has been proximate to a Planned Parenthood or other clinic. Um, mm -hmm. The browsing history, if they're reading up, as you said, if they're searching for clinics, if they're reading up on various subjects, that is tradable and gatherable. Gatherable by anybody, by, by, uh, by authorities, by vigilantes in certain states that may benefit from reporting um, those that have broken the law in, in that respect. So it is a real problem. And we're in this period now. I, I do believe we're in a period now where it's we're the most vulnerable, but I do believe over time laws are going to patch some of the holes. Um, I, it'll take some time at the federal level, um, but more quickly at the state level. And, and in addition, private industry is taking some of their own steps to um, move to encryption around data or to companies in tech, the tech space to enact policies that they will not share any data around geolocation or any data around the sensitive subject. Great. When we come back, we're going to take a real quick break right now. I want to, I want to jump into this, uh, you know, potentially Pandora's box about, you know, what private companies can do, uh, that sort of thing, you know, geofencing. I mean, there's a lot of different things that, you know, we can probably play with here. We're going to take a real quick break. Uh, Dan Freckling, I want to just thank you. Uh, we'll be right back, guys. Uh, stay tuned. We've got a fascinating continuing conversation in front of us here. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the Soul of Business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to BlaineBartlett.com and click on the services link and there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial and now back to our show. Welcome back. <clears throat> Before we took a break, um, Dan and I were talking about uh, privacy and just kind of how we can actually protect ourselves. I'll just kind of put it in you know, a personal term, how self uh, from unwarranted or even more, more specific, actually probably unwanted um, searches, um, you know, gathering information that target me uh, as a consequence of my search activities, that sort of a thing. What are some of the things that private companies can do uh, to protect data? Yeah. Uh, as an example. Mm -hmm. Well, there's, there's many different that's, things. And, and I know that's a very broad, <laughs> yeah. kind of like, where do I go with that? But yeah. Um, you know, there's many things you can, as, as I mentioned before, um, for, for some companies, um, it's, it's enough to just assign uh, an, an administrator involved uh, with privacy. For other companies, uh, 
in under GDPR, they recommend and require a data protection officer to ensure that data is being handled properly. And you've asked about small businesses before. Um, uh, and uh, the, the issue with small businesses is one fold, but the issue with um, larger businesses, I think is, is even more pronounced. Um, we did a survey of the Fortune 100. And when we did that survey of the Fortune 100, we found that uh, the vast majority of them were not compliant with what the California laws required around opt-out expectations. Uh, so we, we found of the Fortune 100, 96 of them shared data about users. And that's not too surprising that the number was so large. But only 53 of those used two or more opt-out methods um, as California requires. And only 33 of those 53 used the approved opt-out methods. So it's very much in the first inning of, of privacy compliance. Um, so businesses should not feel like they need to be perfect. If the Fortune mm -hmm. 100 is, is as imperfect as I just described to you, then small businesses um, will be given some grace on that. And in fact, the same thing happened under GDPR. When GDPR um, was first enacted, there were many companies that were not compliant in 2018, 2019, 2020. But uh, if you showed a path towards compliance, that was usually enough uh, for the regulators to give you a break. Not in all countries, because some countries have data protection authorities that are more activist than others. But what I believe is going to happen in the U.S., and if you believe what the Colorado Attorney General has said, that good faith will be met with leniency, um, and, and what California has said um, in its regulations, that uh, there, there will be some grace given um, to companies that are not quite ready. But uh, there are also very, very easy ways to get started. Assign someone in your company who's responsible for, for data privacy. Take a look at the, the federal government NIST, NIST privacy framework. They have a ready, set, go approach where it doesn't have to be perfect out of the gates, but you can get started that way. That's a useful guideline there too. Yeah. That's great. So, you know, all of this kind of leads up to kind of a meta question here. <clears throat> what do you see, and, and you are better positioned than most, you know, definitely here, but what's the future hold for data privacy? What can I expect as a consumer, as a business owner? What, what's the future look like here? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, and uh, in lots of directions I could go in there. Well, the, the future is going to be regulations are only going to go one direction. Now, the pendulum's going to swing, just like mm -hmm. most things. Um, but I think the future holds for the U.S. that we are going to have a federal privacy law. It may be earlier than we realize. The ADPPA, uh, which is a federal law enshrining data privacy, wasn't expected to go anywhere this year, but it's gotten bipartisan support. So that's, that's important. Shock. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is shocking. Now, it has, still has to make it through all the friction that uh, Congress will introduce around that. But I think one, a, a, a data privacy law that covers the entire U.S. is one element. Um, you know, I, I hope another element is, is increasing awareness because there's things that we can do as individuals. Um, the technology companies will make it easier for us to make choices. Uh, so as we talked about the, the, the app tracking choices under iOS and, and um, Android is going to go to a similar system. Uh, we talked about consent management platforms and how it's a 20 to 30% error rate right now. I think we're going to see that, that error rate decrease. But we, we do need to um, take some of this into account as, as individuals um, to take responsibility for our own data privacy and for what we're sharing um, out of 
I would say, uh, almost a reflexive reaction. Many times we'll push that button that says accept cookies without knowing where that data is going. And that's where the danger lies in. So um, uh, that's one aspect. Another aspect of, of, I think, of the future is where technology is going to take us. There is a group of protocols um, that are under various names. The, the most common one in the U.S. is the GPC, the, the, the Global Protection <laughs> Control. And that, um, uh, that is a browser-based signal. Um, and that means you don't need to opt out when you go to every single website or, or every single uh, uh, entity that you're visiting. Your browser will basically push out a red flag that says, do not track this individual. Um, mm -hmm. Something similar was tried back a, a decade ago and didn't get the same traction. This is now being required by Colorado and I believe California as well. So the future, I think, will also bring with it technologies that make it easier <laughs> For users to exp uh, to uh, express that opt-out election, right? You know, privacy browsing. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm using a Chrome browser right now, and I know that that's built in. Um, so you know, which kind of you know, moves us to a, a, a kind of a follow-on question to what the future holds. You know, what would be you know some basic tips that you could provide to the listeners that will allow them to either keep them you know their brand secured or their customers secured or themselves secured. Yeah, um, it's, it's. I think it's probably a different different questions in there. For, for for the business owners, I would have a set of recommendations. Um, for individuals, I have a set of, of recommendations. Was there was there a particular okay. direction that you'd like to go? Well, yeah, I think most of the listeners here tend to be more entrepreneurial. Um, they tend to you know mid sized smaller companies. So why don't we go towards yeah, the individual. We'll start with that and then we'll see if that moves us into another another place as well. Yeah, I think I, I would reiterate the points below about being aware of about when you're opting in and when you're presented with a choice to opt in or opt out to make an informed choice there. Um, the second would be to, to be aware of the, of the technologies that will make that easier. As I said, GPC um, is in the US. I, think, I believe ADPC is the one in Europe that create these browser signals to know which, um, to, to make, Technology choices, if, if privacy is important to you, based on the privacy merits. Now, privacy is now actually an attribute for choosing what services you use. Um, Chrome is a very easy, very most popularly used browser, but it's among the least privacy compliant. And, right. and Brave uh, and, and Firefox are generally considered more privacy compliant. Phone operating systems, choosing iOS versus Android um, is, is another way to go. Um, I don't know if... In the PC world, uh, if it's if if it's fair to say Apple is more secure or Microsoft is more secure, I think both companies are trying to put a stake in the ground um, around their privacy. But but uh, but kind of considering those choices as well. Um, that that's what I would I would say on the uh, on the consumer side on the business side, or if if uh, if I may, then yeah, please. Uh, I think what we're seeing in the regulations and this just came out really in June in California, is, is, a, is a tilt towards really understanding your third parties, those businesses that you are doing business with. The same thing happened, um, ironically, under cybersecurity, where some of the greatest breaches that companies experienced were through vendors that were not secure. It, right. the, the ecosystem of vendors that created the weak links. Well, similar thing, of course, is happening in privacy. And Ignorance of what your third party's compliance is is no longer a defense. That's what we're seeing coming out of the um, draft rules for CPRA in California. And so 
first of all, identifying who your third parties are and knowing who they are uh, and understanding their policies and practices and auditing them. Of course, having contracts, right? Having contracts with them. But indemnity, indemnity clauses are not going to protect your own business. You can't push liability to your third parties completely. Now, that's say that again. That's really an important point, I think. Yeah. yeah. What, what California is saying is both the firm that acts um, as the data controller and the firm that acts as the data processor, right? Both of them have liability. It's joint and several liability. So, joint and several? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just telling you what I what I read and hear and, and know, but I'm not a lawyer. So get legal advice uh, as a business on this. But so that's my the- hosting platform. And so, yeah, we host our sites on uh, on GoDaddy. Yeah. So I need to know what GoDaddy's service are relative to privacy. And should I also be monitoring how integral they are in terms of how they're actually enforcing those policies? So, though I would say yes, um, I, I don't want to create extra work for you, Blaine. <laughs> but, 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 I'll have my assistant do it. <laughs> no, uh, Zoom, um, Zoom actually had a lawsuit last year, it settled, and I want to yes, say it was about eighty million dollars because of data sharing with internet advertising platforms that was um, that was unconsented. So um, yeah, it, it does affect even the brand names that we interact with can get themselves, yeah. you know, inadvertently or intentionally in trouble. Wow, that is a big deal. A big deal. Anything that you'd like to point people to directly, Dan, that uh, yeah could be of immediate use to them before we start to wrap up this uh, this conversation? Um, there are yeah there, the the IAPP, the International Association of Privacy okay. Professionals, has just troves and troves of, of data and reports on this. They're a very good resource. Um, I would point people. Uh, there, the Future of Privacy Forum it does a really good series of educational sessions on how data privacy um, works technically, and you can pick those up um, uh, on YouTube. Their videos that they've published. Um, for any any interest in the services that I've described, boltive.com, B-O-L, like like lightning bolt, I-V-E, uh, boltive.com. You can visit us or send an email to hello at boltive.com if, if any of this is interesting to you. I love talking about this subject, so. I uh, appreciate uh, the chance to, to, to go at length with you. Length. It's obvious that you enjoy talking about it and you are highly informed and intelligent around the way that you present it. So I want to just acknowledge that and thank you for that. You bet, Blaine. It's been a total pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, you got this big alphabet soup out there and it, and it can be overwhelming and you've actually helped make some sense out of it. So thank you very much for that. Well, it's arcane and rapidly changing. So as soon as this publishes, we could be in a different regime. We'll see. It's a fast moving space. <laughs> Good. Folks, you've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Barlett. My guest today, Dan, CEO of Boltive. And you can check him out again, like Dan said, boltive.com. Um, data privacy. You don't want to have a leaky boat because it will sink you. you know, I'm going to go back to my opening remarks here. Take care of this. This is an important thing. And it doesn't have to be you know, as, as overwhelming as many of us may think it is. Um, but however, you know, awareness precedes choice. And the more aware you are of what's in front of you, the better choices you can be making. So Speaking of awareness, um, go to my website, blainebartlett.com, and uh, become a little bit more aware of some of the things that I'm offering that can make a difference for you. A lot of it's, uh, yeah, I just posted up there. Most of, most of my IP is uh, freely accessible. So 
feel free to uh, go access it and um, appropriate opt-in and opt-out uh, parameters will apply. Okay. So see you on the next episode. Again, Blaine Bartlett, and you've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.